0: Hi everyone, my name's Courtney, I think I also know most of you, Um, and all of you actually. I have four kids who are seven, and we have a bunch of birthdays coming up, so they are nearly five, nearly four, nearly three. Um... Just wanted to give that as background where I'm coming from. Amanda and I both have said we're not experts. We've been at it actually a really short time. We've got some people who were at it a lot longer than us uh, in the room. So they're probably just laughing at us being like that. But that's okay. I just put a little disclaimer that I'm really talking about faith stuff for the purpose of this talk. And so I'm going to make some assumptions based on what I believe in. And I might talk in ways that don't even make sense if that's not your thing. Um, So so please um, don't be put off by that and, and let's have conversations about that if that interests you, but also you might just be like, you know what? I'm not on board with what she's talking about. So this is more around the faith side and how do we parent our kids in a way um, that lines up with the Bible and what the Bible says. So I'm just kind of giving that as a disclaimer before since we did kind of open it up. And I don't, yeah, I just don't want anyone to feel at all uncomfortable um, or like, oh, I don't want to do what she says. Then don't, you know, (laughs) that's fine. Um, So anyway, I just want to give you a bit of a background on my personality because I think it will be helpful for what I'm going to talk about. Um, so I and to just understand how I came into parenthood. so I am a perfectionist, um, <laughs> complete no, and utter perfectionist. Um, I was a nurse for twelve years before I had children, and I worked in the pediatric intensive care unit and then in a pediatric surgery suite in a really busy New York City hospital. So I like to be doing twelve things at once. I'm always thinking ahead. I want it done the right way. I want it done on time. and I worked in pediatrics because I loved kids, and then I became a mom, and none of that panned out. Those two things just don't line up. But I kind of—I really did, as much as I knew it wouldn't. It really hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I—it was way harder. It still is way harder than I ever thought. Like I cannot multitask my way out of this one. You know, I just can't. Um, So, yeah. And I couldn't be a perfect mom, and no matter how hard I tried, I did not have perfect children. Um, and I know that sounds funny, but it's really, like, been the profound truth um, <laughs> that I learned over the last seven years. And God has worked really hard to kind of teach me that lesson, and it's panned out in lots of different ways. And so that's kind of just what I want to share tonight, is my journey of understanding that I'm not perfect, my kids aren't perfect, my husband's not perfect. You get the idea. None of us are perfect. Um So I've really known this my whole life. Um, I was raised in a Christian family. I was taught, you know, that no one is perfect and that we all need Jesus. I was taught Romans all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I knew that, but I obviously didn't believe it in a transformational way that affected how I related to my kids and to my family in general, probably to my friends to some degree. But I think like Amanda was saying, our families and our parenting highlight some things about our hearts and about us on a whole new level. So God has slowly but surely been sort of chipping away at this over the last number of years. And I'm the first to admit he is nowhere near done with me yet. Like, I'll share stories of what's happened in the last three weeks to say that I still have so much to learn in this. But it's really cool to be able to say that I do feel that I'm different now than I was five years ago. And that's all because of what God's done in my life and in my heart. Um, And I'm so, so grateful for that. And so this is a cool opportunity to be able to give God glory for that, and to say, you know what, I see him doing something in me, and I want him to continue. And I think, um, yeah. So um, for those of you who know me well, I hope you know, I don't feel very equipped to be sitting here. I don't feel like, oh, I've got it all figured out, and I'm just going to tell you all how to do it. I generally feel really unsure of myself. I'm that person who goes to my friends and says, what should I do about this with this kid? You know, I don't feel at all like I know what I'm doing half the time. I'm a fake it till you make it mom, you know, for the most part. But I do love to read and I love information and I love resources. And part of why I kind of jumped on board with Amanda and Shar, who helped us get this going, is that I love putting resources into other people's hands as well. And I think there is so much out there, you know, like Free resources podcasts websites like there's so much Um, and I love the idea of just passing that on to people that might just not know what to listen to or where to go yeah and you know I think all of us lie in our beds at night after we put our kids to bed and just think oh man That's it. I've messed it up. You know, another another horrible bedtime or another whatever has happened or another whatever, right? Um, And I think it's really easy to get sort of bogged down under that, but that's actually not true. We we were chosen for our kids, you know. I think before the beginning of time to parent them and to love them, and we need to remember that and we need to keep that at the forefront of our mind. And I think. You know, at the end of the day, the very, very end of the day for me, that's all my kids need is a mom who is surrendered to God and wanting to have him work in my life. Um, So with all of that said, I'm going to lay out some of what God has helped me to understand um, in hopes that it would be helpful for you guys. And I've prayed that what I say that is helpful will be kept in your mind and what i say that is not will not (laughs) so i trust that that's what god's going to do and so if there's something that you find interesting or helpful then hold on to it and if not you know then i I trust that he'll work that out um different things work for different kids and different families like amanda was saying um and so we have to seek god as to what he has for our family because it's not going to be the same formula is not going to work for every child and every family Um, So back to my perfectionist personality, which I'm sure some of you can at least relate to. Um, I've come to see that it's really easy for a lot of us to see the weaknesses or challenges in our kids and in their behavior than to see their strengths. So we see the three socks that were left on the floor and not the five pairs of shorts and the three shirts that they put away really nicely. Or we see the one horrible angry outburst, but not the three other times in the day where they totally pulled it together in a really hard situation. And that is me, Um, it's really easy for me to focus on those. And so that's been an important shift in how I think about my kids, is looking for the good and pointing it out to myself and to them. Um, And I think a lot of us um, equate our kids' behavior with are parenting. And so if my kid is behaving well, well, then I'm a good mom. And if they're behaving poorly, well, then I'm absolutely the worst. And it does sound funny, but for me, like that was really true for the beginning of my parenting. Like when my kids were little and in the horrible, horrible Well, some of them still are, but like the real (laughs) tantrum y phase. um, I really, if if it was a good day or a good outing or a good moment, I was just riding high. And then when they were just embarrassing the heck out of me and acting horribly, I was taking it really personal. Um, And I thought I wasn't doing a good job. And I think um, what I've seen is that when we make our kids' behavior a reflection of us, then we're probably going to respond in an angry way. Because basically, you're saying I'm a bad mom right now, right? Like, you, when you're having that tantrum publicly, you're you're making me a bad mom. And how dare you? And it's like, no, no, they're just being a kid behaving in the way that they're wired to behave and I'm still me and sure some people are quite judgmental and think oh and honestly before I had kids I was a bit that way like oh my kids will never do that you know a little bit not, not to the huge extreme but there were little things like biting I didn't think my kids would bite I was like who bites all four of my children been, you know like I don't know um, so yeah I think it's it's We're wired to sort of be that judgmental way. And so we put it on ourselves as well. Um, And I think um, if our joy isn't rooted in who we are, and for me, that's about being rooted in Jesus and in my identity in him, then I'm not going to find much joy because it's going to be really up and down because my kids are having a good day or a bad day or my husband's having a good day or a bad day. And so my joy is all over the place. Whereas if my joy, real joy, is rooted in who I am in in Jesus, then that's consistent and what they're doing is just what they're doing. And I can respond to it instead of react to it. Um, So, yes. Um, I think the other thing that's become really clear over the past number of years is that transformation is a lifelong process. So I became a Christian when I was five years old. I asked God to be, you know, in charge of my life and I'm going to be 40 in a few months and I'm nowhere near like arrived. Like there's a lot that still has to happen. Um, And my kids are way younger than that. And I need to give them a lot of grace and say, you know what, they're going to be okay. Give them time to kind of slowly but surely transform into who they're going to be and not make huge rash judgments on um, particular points of behavior that are going to make them wind up in prison. Um, You know, in our minds, like we go there instead. (laughs) realizing that it is what it is and I think for me um, that's encouraging because it's like if we're consistent and we're steady and we're slow to keep doing the same things change probably is happening but you might feel like oh my word that child has been doing that forever and it's never going to change but really you know you don't see it over time it's like when someone loses weight you know like if you haven't seen them in ages and you see them after four months, you look great. But if you see someone every day, you might not notice as much. And so it's the same with our kids and the same with us. Like these processes of transformation are slow and steady. And so we need to extend grace to our kids and to ourselves. I can often find myself sitting around and thinking about a kid, one of my kids, and thinking, okay, this behavior is driving me nuts. What do I need to do to fix this behavior? All right, what do I need to do? And again, that's my wiring, that's my personality, right? We have a problem. I don't like that they're doing this. How am I going to fix it? Um, and I don't think that those are bad questions to ask. Like, for sure, we need to strategize, we need to think about things. But I think at the end of the day, um, you know, if anyone's on a parenting forum on Facebook or sits around with a bunch of moms and dads of toddlers, and someone says, How do I get my kid to stop biting, for instance? there is no one answer. There's no like, we'll do this and then they'll never do it again. It just doesn't work that way. And I think the thing um that's been highlighted to me by God over the last number of years is that that's because our kids are sinners <laughs> just like we are, right? Like the what happened in the garden and the, and and Adam and Eve and all of that um applies to them just as much as it does to us. And so if they're sinners and we're sinners, then the only thing that's really going to change us is them understanding the love of God and having heart change over time. Um, and so I think that if we can step back and separate ourselves and say that that behavior is theirs and that sin is theirs and they need to own it, then instead of reacting and being angry, then we can respond and love them well and, um, and point them to Jesus ultimately. Um, Yeah. So ultimately for me, what I've come to see is that, um, it's a sin problem. And so we need to extend grace. And I think in Christian circles, grace-based parenting has been like, that's a catchphrase. That's a term over the last number of years that's been thrown around a lot, but I don't think that people really understand what it is. I think a lot of people kind of think, oh, grace-based parenting is a free pass. So we just say, oh, just extend grace, extend grace, You know, they screwed up, but we just need to love them. We just need to love them. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible, Jesus was gracious, but he was also entirely just, right? And he he wouldn't have had to go to the cross if it weren't for the law. So there was law that was broken, right? And so that's why grace had to come into the picture. And I think for me, that's been one of the biggest eye-opening things um, in my parenting, because if I can extend grace um, but also point out the wrong and do that all at the same time then that's really going to lead to that heart change that I was talking about Um, grace never calls right wrong, it calls wrong wrong Um, and like I said before Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross if it weren't for the law, right? That's what we believe like we couldn't be good enough and so Jesus had to die on the cross Um, so I think The law is important, and the laws and the rules of our households are important, and they help shape and help us know what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what not to do. But the law ultimately can't transform a heart. Like, just following the rules is never going to change the hearts of our children. And ultimately, we want kids who are not just rule followers, but who are followers um, of God. So I think when we extend grace to our children in parenting, we're not giving them a free pass, but we're calling the wrong a wrong. And so maybe there's a consequence for that wrong, or maybe there's not. Maybe this time we decide, you know what, we don't need a consequence this time, just because of whatever's going on. Or maybe there's a natural consequence, right? Like they chose to not listen and bring their jacket the age-old natural consequence story so then they have to be cold and you have to listen to them complain you know so like (laughs) that plays out how it does um but in addition to the consequence i think we need to also always extend grace just like jesus does we're never ever changing who we are as parents and we're always pointing them to him and explaining that our wrong decisions our sins are an offense to god Um, but never forgetting to point out the wonderful news of the cross that because jesus died one time for all sins um, that we're forgiven the moment we ask. And not only that, but we can also ask to be equipped to do better. There's a quote by one of my favorite parenting authors, who, Christian parenting authors, who's Paul David Tripp. And he says, If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, or failure of your children, it's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child, and he's put them in a family of faith, and he will expose the need of that child so that you can be a tool of his or her rescue and transformation. That's parenting. And um, I love that, and it's so convicting because it often feels like a hassle, and it often feels like an interruption, quite frankly. Can you read that again? Yeah, sure. Um, If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear of the sin, weakness, or failure of your children, it's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child, and he's put them in a family of faith. And he will expose the need of that child so that you can be a tool of his or her rescue and transformation. That's parenting. So in a practical sense, I thought it would be helpful to kind of talk through how this plays out in our family when we have mistakes or screw-ups. Um, maybe a child has hurt a sibling or destroyed something that belonged to a sibling or knocked over a Lego tower that someone spent seven hours creating. Um, so what I, the language I like to use with my kids some of the time is, how do, we need to, how do you need to make this Right. So what do you need to do here to make this right? So maybe there's an apology that's needed or maybe somebody needs to clean up something that they've messed up or whatever needs to happen. Um, and I think over time that as kids get older, we can start to also explain, and maybe they need to say sorry said that. Maybe they need to say sorry, but over time, I think that what they can also start to understand is it's not only an offense to the other person, but that it's an offense to God, right? And so we can help to explain that Um, in a way that helps them learn about reconciliation and learn about reconciliations within families and then ultimately that sets a basis for understanding reconciliation with God Um, I think I've seen with my kids, really young kids need help initially figuring out how do I make this right, like a two year old's like I don't know, but um, they do quickly learn when that becomes a conversation that happens a lot, they do quickly learn, what do I need to do to fix this, like you know mommy we can clean it up you know like that kind of thing right Um, but also like purposeful things done to other kids they can learn how to reconcile between each other and then we're hopefully less needed as they get older they can learn to reconcile those things between themselves Um, so this next section is probably very obvious but I think it's so important that we're intentional about it I think one of the most important things when we're talking about all this stuff the most important thing to communicate to our kids is that God's love is never changing. That God doesn't love them more when they're acting nicely or behaving well and less when they're not and that we are the same. That we don't find them more lovely and lovable when they're behaving well versus when they're making mistakes. And obviously that's such an important framework to lay if we're then going to talk about offenses to one another. And we don't want them to equate God as this king who sits there with a bunch of rules and that they can just never quite get it right. We want them to understand that his heart is always in love for them and that God loves them so much that the cross happened, that he sent his son to die on a cross so that they could have relationship with him. And so, similarly, our love for them is not rooted in whether or not they're being good or being bad. And I know that's obvious, but, um, yeah, in Christian circles, that whole legalistic side can start to happen. And it's so important that we're intentional about making that clear. Because I think, as little kids especially, their are bent, is to just think, oh, mommy's mad at me, or she's, you know, somehow that our love is changing. And it's not. We might very well be unhappy with the fact that they just hit their sister or whatever, but we don't love them any less in that moment, but I don't think that's their natural inclination to understand that. And so it's important for that framework and basis to be there, I think. Um, And this is just a verse from the message version of Galatians 2.6. It says, we know that we're not set right by rule keeping, but only by personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know? We tried it. We had the best set of rules the world had ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believed in Jesus so that we might be set right before God, trusting in him, not just trying to be good. Um, And I love that verse. So I thought it could be helpful to give um, a practical example of one of my kids and a behavior that's been highlighted recently to really demonstrate this truth for me in a big way. So I hope it communicates well. Um, it's hard, like this feels like it should be more of a one-on-one conversation. It's hard sometimes to communicate these things when we can't go back and forth, but I'm just gonna kind of tell the story and I hope it communicates well. Um, so one of my children, who shall remain nameless, is a real negative Nelly. Um, they can always find a reason to complain, even if given the absolute best, um, something is always not quite right or wrong or unfair. And often the unfairness is, like, so illogical. Like, it is the most fair situation. Like, everyone got one biscuit, but it's unfair. Um, Like, there's lots of unfairness being thrown around. And so I have struggled a lot with this particular issue and this particular child over the past couple of months. Um, And so a couple of weeks ago, I just really started to pray and say, God, what is going on here? Why is this bothering me so much? Why am I getting so angry and losing my patience entirely when this child is complaining and grumbling? And why am I so desperate to get her to see the positive and to be content and grateful and happy? Um, And don't get me wrong, I think those are great questions to ask. Um, I don't think it's bad for me to help cultivate her gratitude to see blessings, but I knew deep down (laughs) that there was a lot more to this, and that God had something to show me. And so over the past couple of weeks, what I've really felt God press into my heart as I sought him on this issue was not at all about my child, but entirely about me. God has been saying to me, not in an audible voice, but just in a deep sense that I have known in my soul, um, Courtney, you can't find your value and your worth in whether or not you're making your kid happy. Mm -hmm. Your Your worth comes entirely from your place in me. You're a child of God, and nothing can add or take away your value in being fully known and fully loved in me. You aren't a better mom if you have a grateful, content child, though yes, it's important for you to help cultivate those things in your kids but it doesn't change anything about who you are. You're valued and loved and deeply accepted because you have a relationship with God. Um, and after I kind of started to process that, I realized that I was able to see the issue for what it is. My child is immature. They are, after all, a child. Um, they probably have some degree of a bent toward a negative Nelly attitude, kind of a glass-half-full personality. And that's okay. Um, My child is also sinful and self-centered. All human beings are. So that's also okay. Um, And... That's why we're so grateful for Jesus and for the cross. Um, And my kid also may be calling out for some attention. They're getting a lot of attention when they spend lots of time complaining. It's in the form of me telling them not to complain, but it's totally attention. And so maybe I need to really focus on the positive things, the other content coming out of their mouth, the other sentences that are said, and engage in those conversations, like Amanda was talking about with Connection, Instead of continually trying to say, stop complaining, you've got a really good life, Um, (laughs) because it's just not working, right? And I think that our whole family would be a whole lot better off if I was able to do that. And then even furthermore, God kind of said to me, you know what? We're all discontent on this earth. We're not supposed to be content on this earth. This isn't our final home. We all are sort of here for a short time and longing for this future place where we're going to be. And if this is part of her personality, well, what a cool thing to talk to her about as she grows and matures, you know, that... That she's going to never be content by the things that she's going to experience on this earth. You know, not fully, not deeply, and so how can we see the positive and overall lead a more joyful, happy life because we choose to do that. And so it was just a really neat opportunity. You know, God didn't give me a list of three things to do to have a happy, grateful child, but when I started asking him about it, he showed me things about myself and things that were true about him, and when I started to look at that, that's where I started to change and I know that that's where she's going to start to change. And it's only been a short time since I've sort of around this issue kind of had this shift and I can already see just a massive difference by me not really giving it much, just sort of being like, yeah, that's a bummer, you know? Or like, oh, that's, I don't think that's so unfair. I'm sorry you feel that way or whatever. Just sort of acknowledging it and carrying on. There's just been less of it, you know, and really engaging in the other stuff. So I want to make sure to say that I also think it's so important for those of us who are Christian parents to realize that prayer is one of our most powerful tools in raising our kids. And that I think God just honors that awareness that they aren't our children. And us surrendering them back to him and believing the plans he has for them are better than ours. Believing that he loves them so much more than we do. And that he wants to transform their hearts. And yeah, just asking him to do that. And I've spent many times going in and praying over my kids as they're sleeping over something that has just been driving Aaron and I absolutely crazy for a period of time and just seeing him be faithful to slowly chip away at that, just by that simple act of saying, God, you love this kid so much more than I do. Would you work at this in them? Um, And I think that's important to remember. The other thing I think that's important to remember is that the Bible says that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. So it's important for our children to understand that God's kindness is what led him to send Jesus to the cross. Um, so God didn't put rules in place to be mean and restrict us, but he put them there to help us have guidelines to live by. And we do the same in our families. So we recently started reading through one of our children's Bibles last week, again, like in chronological order. And so we just got to the story of Adam and Eve. And so it was just a good opportunity after reading the story to say, to have conversations like, well, did God love Adam and Eve more um before before they made this mistake of eating the fruit than he did after. Like, no, God always loved them the same. You know, well, what about mommy and daddy? Do we love you more when you aren't screwing up than when you're you know, when you're really having a bad day and making a lot of mistakes? And they were like, No, no, of course not. Um, and so I think just um having these conversations, although Maybe they're not really fully getting it. I think being faithful to consistently have those conversations does lay a framework for them. Um, And then I said to them, you know, why, why did God make the rule that they couldn't eat the fruit? Was he being mean? Was he just trying to not let them have any fun? And they were like, no, he knew. Well, my girls were old enough to say, no, he knew that if they ate that, that would be bad for them. And I said, well, you know. Mom and Dad are the same. When we make rules in the house, it's because we know that that's not going to be a good thing for you, you know. And I totally already at seven got an eye roll, and uh, and then some one the other one said, um, "No, you just don't want us to have any fun." And I was like, "Okay, you know." But I think like ha- having those conversations around um, these stories as we read them is just a really helpful way to put put. Reality into a story, you know, and put um, practicalness, <laughs> practicality into into these stories for them. So yeah, the last little bit here um, that I want to talk about is just that if we're going to deal with our kids this way, and if we're going to try and point out that their real biggest problem is a sin problem and a need for Jesus, then we need to be able to deal with that in ourselves. And deal with that in front of them. Um, And I've become really good at the last number of years at saying I'm sorry to my kids and at saying, you know, after I've totally lost my temper and screamed or not listened to a kid, like not let them get the words out because I was just in such a rush and then made a bad call because I didn't actually listen to them, to going to them and saying, you know what, I'm really sorry. I screwed that up big time. And I've Ask God to forgive me, because he doesn't like when when I'm like that either, and I'm asking you to forgive me now. And I love you guys, and I want to do better. And I think that modeling that for them, it's been really neat to see my older kids be able to, they start doing that back and saying, you know what, mom, you know, at bedtime, like, I'm really sorry that I acted that way today. You know, and I just was listening to a podcast last night, actually. And the guy gave an example of him coming home from work and rushing in and just his kids were arguing at the table. And he said he just lost it. Like the minute he opened the door, He's like, you kids are always screaming and yelling when I walk in and I just got home from work. And then he kind of stopped and he was like, Oh, you know how you know sometimes you're like, oh, bad call. And so he said, sometimes we need to take a parenting do-over. And I haven't done this yet, but I love it. And so he said, he literally was like, oh, hold on, guys. I need a do-over. And he literally, like, silly dad, like, walked backwards out of the house. and was like, blah, 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 blah. And then sat in the garage for a few minutes in his car and got out again and came in and was like, hey guys, it sounds like you guys are having a bit of an issue. I just got in, you know, why don't you guys? And so he just was saying, like, that's grace. Like, we don't have to be perfect the first time. Our kids, just like Amanda said, they don't need us to be perfect parents. But they need to see that we can recognize when we screw up, and we can try it again. And so they can, too, and they can have a do-over, too. And I do that a lot with my kids. who are all probably in a bit of a passive-aggressive way. Um, You know, do you want to try that again? Um, But I think, like, maybe I could change my tone and give them do-overs, you know? Like, they can have a chance, too. Like, do you want to ask me again? (laughs) Didn't work that time. Um, But, yeah, I think just modeling that for ourselves and for them, it levels the playing ground, and it lets us come alongside them and say, you know what? Me, too. I need Jesus, too. We're all a hot mess. Like, Nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Um, On a real deep level. And I think it also changes that expectation for them and feeling like how they need to um, measure up to some standard. It's not about that. It's about our hearts being focused on the right thing. So there's a quote by an author that I love as well called uh, named Jenny Cunyon. Um, and she wrote two of the books on the resources page. But she says, Grace is God's final word. You are fully accepted and fully forgiven, fully known and fully loved. Not because of what you do for Jesus, but because what he has already done for you. Let your heart be wrecked afresh as you revel in this radical grace and stand amazed at how it captivates your child's heart. And I think it's true when we... Are repped afresh with an understanding of this amazing grace that we can receive. Our kids are gonna see that and they're gonna be repped by it too. Um, yeah, and I'm actually not gonna go through the whole second section because it's a bit long and I think so I'm just gonna know, I'm just gonna say one thing that I think is important from it and then There have been a few people who have asked me about this, so I think we'll just talk about it separately. Um, But one thing that probably the most important thing and the most freeing thing um, as a Christian parent that I found as I thought about my kids and their faith is, um, I heard a Christian author say, you are not responsible for your child's spiritual destiny. And it was so freeing to say, no, I'm not. I am responsible If I believe that this is true, to give them an opportunity to understand who God is, to help them to search that out for themselves, to give them that opportunity. But I am not ultimately responsible for the decision that they make someday for what they want to do with this information. And I think some of us can get our hands wound so tightly around we want them to be whatever, good people or we want them to be, we want them to believe this thing that we believe because it's changed our hearts and our lives and that's not a bad thing but they're going to do what they're going to do as we all know because we probably have siblings who have everybody, you know, you're raised in this one family and you all make your own decisions and wind up in a million different places and the same is going to be true for our young kids and So, yeah, I think it was just really freeing for me to think, you know what, what is my goal here? Like Amanda was saying, the calmness. Like, if your goal is to be calm, then some of that other stuff doesn't matter. And so if my goal is to show my kids who I believe God is and help them to understand that for themselves, but my goal isn't to say, you will believe this thing, well, I'm going to come at it with such a different heart. Because I'm not trying to, to make them do something or make them behave well. I'm trying to help them understand a love that has changed my life. So, um, yeah, I'm going to end there, actually, which was not at all my plan, but that's okay. Um, and I did put a whole lot of resources that we've used in our family on the back table, just books and Bibles and stuff that we use in our family to help have these conversations. And if anyone, one of the things that I am a little bit passionate about is specifically talking to our young children about the gospel and how do we explain that to them? Like, it's big concepts for little people. Um, And so I've done a lot of reading on that and I have um, had experience a little bit um, in seven short years of trying to do it. So if anyone wants to have those conversations outside of this room I'm more than happy to do that and just to share again like what we've done how it's worked for Aaron and I um, but yeah I won't go into that now so thank you guys for coming it was really cool to have thank you